0: Hi everyone. My name is Mare Verk, and welcome to Life on the Farm. welcome back everyone to another week at life on the farm your girl finished her first afi rotation i am so excited so proud of myself hospital operations is checked off i had the most amazing six weeks and this last week was honestly just the icing on the cake i had the opportunity to rotate through the antimicrobial stewardship pharmacist position which was really awesome especially in light of covid 19 kind of seeing how that's being managed I also had the opportunity to work with the medication use and safety pharmacist and he was actually working remotely. So that was a really interesting setup, but I think it worked really well for the work that he had me do. And then at the end of the week, I ended up rounding in both the ICU, so the intensive care unit, as well as TNI, which is the trauma neuro intensive care unit. It's a really great opportunity to get more of that clinical practice in, especially presenting my ideas and recommendations to the entire team. But I will get more into that as I get to the days that I end up doing those rotations. But outside of that, a lot of fun things going on. I get my RX prep book. I do my final presentation for the pharmacy. I There's donuts involved. Uh, I don't really know what else I could highlight, honestly. But again... Really great week. Happy to be done. Thankful for the experiences and the people I've met. And, you know, lucky for them and for myself, I actually get to go back in a week to do my ICU rotation at the same site. So definitely looking forward to that. And of course, before we get into the episode, the title of today, one down, five to go, kind of feels self-explanatory, but I'm just really excited for what's to come. And again, really proud of how far I've come and I definitely feel like I've learned a lot. So I'm looking forward to everything that I learn in the next five rotations and how I can apply what I learned from this previous one to everything that I do moving forward. So without further ado, let's get into it. We'll go ahead and start with Monday like we always do. It's day 26 of my rotations. It's Monday, August 3rd, and I was on the Antimicrobial Stewardship Pharmacist Shift, and I was there from 0800 to 1200. And the reason I wasn't there all day is that Mondays are when we have our cohort conference Zoom calls, so we get let out a little bit early to go home and join those calls. But the first thing I did that day was meet up with her in the main pharmacy. And from there, we headed over to her office. So she actually works on the medical floors themselves. So I thought that was really cool. She has her own office, her own little setup, which is nice. And then the second thing we do is we make sure we wipe everything down, of course, taking all precautions and letting it sit. Of course, contact time, I think for these is like a minute. So everything's soaking wet for a minute. We go wash our hands. And by the time we're back, um, everything's all dried up. And the first thing that we looked over and something that's new to her workflow as of five months ago is all of the COVID patients. And so that whole system list generates for her and it includes patients who have tested positive who are in the hospital as well as those who have newly tested positive since the last time she evaluated the list. And so herself, as well as the infectious disease physician, do a complete analysis and evaluation of all of these patients on a daily basis. And so things they look out for are treatments that they've already had or are considering to be given. And so these include steroids like dexamethasone. They look at how long they've been on steroids for, whether or not there's consideration for a convalescent plasma or if they've already received it. Um, whether or not the patients received tocilucimab, which is the generic name for Actemra, and that is an interleukin-6 inhibitor. And this was particularly interesting to me because my final project is centered around a medication review of Actemra in the treatment of COVID-19. So I thought it was interesting just to see the way that this institution is utilizing it. And so seeing whether or not patients have been given that if they're in the middle of therapy and whatnot, of course, looking at their oxygen status. So there are some patients who are on room air, others who are on ventilators and the nasal cannula, high flow nasal cannula or oxy masks in between looking at patients, whether or not they have symptoms or not. So there's patients who could be asymptomatic. So they come in, they're tested, they test positive, but they aren't showing any symptoms, so we know about asymptomatic carriers, but at the same time, there are others who are exhibiting severe symptoms. And then, of course, linking at lab values, uh, C-reactive protein, ferritin, and D-dimer tend to be quite high in patients with COVID-19, so just tracking those, seeing if we're seeing any improvements, but of course, we want to look at the patient themselves and seeing, see how that they're doing. From there, they then evaluate the use of remdesivir in patients. And so remdesivir is a five-day course. It starts with 200 milligrams on the first day and then 100 milligrams daily for the remaining four days. And those are all given via IV. After doing that, The pharmacist goes ahead and looks at any drug questions she may have gotten. So she checks her email, her phone that's sitting in her office. She also has an ID, like cell phone specifically for this position. So people can always reach out. She's basically the point of contact for anything and everything infectious disease. So physicians, other pharmacists, um, nurses, anybody who has any questions about antibiotics or treatment having to do with infectious disease, they all reach out to her. And so she quickly goes through. Um, sees what she has going on, and then starts addressing those questions. And she's basically like a PI for all of these different um, situations she's brought that are brought to her attention. She goes into the chart, reviews them, gets an idea for what the story is with the patient, sees why the, they're getting a certain antibiotic, maybe what antibiotic they should be getting, seeing what the microbiome is telling her, assessing what wound care saw, the physician saw, um, sometimes even talking to the patient themselves. So a really great chance to see how that works out, especially because infectious disease um, during our time in pharmacy school, infectious disease in particular is stressed heavily upon making sure that we are giving medications for the appropriate indications and that those who don't need it don't get it and that those who need it are getting the correct drug. From there, we went ahead and took a look at um, the bug drug mismatches. So something that's really cool is that the system will populate when it notices a patient's on a medication and they have microbiome that's come back for a bug that doesn't get covered by that medication. And so sometimes this can be useful and help alert to a situation where there's a mismatch. But a lot of the times it actually happens just to be that, let's say a patient shows up with an abscess from an infected wound site. They have a history of MRSA and so they're put on empiric vancomycin since that covers MRSA. Um, But at the same time, they also take a sample of the patient's urine, and it comes back with, let's say, a low level of E. coli, so 50,000 to 100,000 CFU per ml. The patient's not complaining of any symptoms. Um, It was just purely, it wouldn't have been discovered otherwise if the urine hadn't been taken. And so it's up to the pharmacist to determine whether or not um, that needs to be treated and whether or not that vanco is properly indicated anyway. And so she goes in, she takes a look, and it's telling her, oh, Vanco and E. coli, they don't go together, which is true. But when you take a closer look at the patient's record and what's going on with their admission, you see that the Vanco's for that abscess and because of that history of MRSA. And at the same time, that the patient's not complaining about a UTI at all, and it just may be asymptomatic bacteria. So again, it just takes a little bit of digging, a lot of clinical judgment, and so I thought that was a really cool aspect of the position. And that basically wrapped up my first four hours there. I got a good baseline for what it means to be a part of this um, whole program, antimicrobial stewardship. She's not the only person who is working towards these efforts, but there are physicians and nurses as well who meet frequently and talk about different things that can be done within the hospital to address this. But from there, I did have to go and attend my conference call with the rest of the Sacramento cohort. And so that was cool because it's the end of the rotation conference. And so we all go ahead and talk about something that we're proud of, as well as something that we want to improve upon. And so for me, the thing I was most proud of was my ability to communicate my recommendations to Um, providers at all different levels. So whether it be physicians to nurses, uh, to other pharmacists, colleagues, but at the same time, even like at an operational level at PNT, being able to convey my ideas and then get my uh, recommendation approved, I thought was a really great opportunity and a development that I'm proud of myself for. As far as improvements go, I definitely want to get better with my brand generic uh, recognition. I thought I had it down in pharmacy school and then I came and started doing work here and I realized some people love generics, some people love brand names, but I definitely don't have it down as well as I thought I did. So something to definitely work on during my week off. Another thing that happened was I got my RX prep book. And so this is a book that I'll use to study for the NatPlex as well as for the CPJE, and so it shipped really quickly. I think I ordered it Saturday, it showed up Sunday, and then I looked at it for the first time Monday, and it's a thick book, like thick with like three or four C's, it's huge, and there's no way it would be feasible to carry that around. So later um, during the week, I end up getting it split up, but I'll talk about that a little bit more. But inside of that book, it actually has a quick guide section with uh, brand generics for like top 200, really popular OTC drugs and whatnot, as well as injections. So I'll definitely be taking a look at that, um, definitely working toward it as I prepare for my next rotation. But with that, I wrap up Monday and we move on to Tuesday. We are now on day 27 of my rotations. It's Tuesday, August 4th, and today is the big day. It is final presentation day. I guess I forgot to mention that Monday night. I was spending the entire night repeating my 30-minute presentation to myself like every 30 minutes in the mirror until I basically knew it like the back of my hand. So forgot to mention that part, but Tuesday was the big day. Um, but the shift that I was on was, again, the antimicrobial stewardship shift with the pharmacist and this was from 0800 to what was supposed to be 1630 but you'll see what happens later basically we spent this morning doing the same exact thing it was a great chance to see all of those patients who we had evaluated the day before check up on them again for covid as well as see any new patients that came up again just walking me through all of her different thought processes when it came to evaluating med questions um, patient charts and things like that And then at about 1.15, my preceptor wanted me to come down to set up my laptop so that I could test out the projector. So they actually bought a projector to let students present. And so she really wanted my presentation um, up on a screen, which was so kind. And so we were going to set it up about an hour and 15 minutes before I was supposed to present. And then that way we could like make sure it works. And then I could run through it on my own like one or two more times. And so we get down, I get down there actually to the pharmacist workroom where we're going to do the presentation. And we tried to set up the projector and it turns out that engineering shut off projector capabilities from all of the monitors. And so there was no way that this projector was going to put up anything from any of the work computers. We even tried like laptops and that were like issued through the institution itself. But again, same network and everything. So we realized that that was the case. But another thing we realized is that nursing education actually has their own projection setup, So we were able to get a projector and a laptop from them Who would have thought? And set that whole thing up. And it ended up working out really well. But it did end up taking the whole time, which is totally fine, because I actually kind of like just jumping into presentations. I feel like if I have almost too much time beforehand, I start to freak out way too much. So it kind of worked out that I was kind of busy doing something beforehand. And then I ended up giving the presentation and I thought it went really well. The screen was at about my height level. So I was actually able to interact with it quite well and point things out. I was talking a lot about the immune system and the inflammatory cascade. And there were a lot of uh, moving parts to that. And there was a lot happening on the screen. So I liked that I was able to walk up to it and make it more interactive and point out the parts that I wanted to highlight. It was also uh, clinical trial heavy or Um, data heavy, if you will. And so there was a lot of talking happening at one point, and it makes it feel like it's getting bogged down. But I had to remind myself that that's kind of the nature of this presentation. So it was definitely an adjustment. It's also been a very long time since I've given a 30-minute presentation um, about such a dense topic before. So again, just getting back into the swing of things. But I got really great feedback, um, really great questions. So of course, making sure that once you do your presentation, uh, you of course accept questions. And if there's anything you don't know the answer to, to make sure that you write it down so that you can look it up and get back to that person about that question. Because that's something that you're being evaluated on. And so it was a great conversation. I think something that was interesting was the reason my preceptor and I even chose this project was because there isn't a lot of solid data about Actemara and the use of COVID-19. And so it sparked a lot of great conversation as far as what are we seeing with trends? How do we think this is working? Is this something that sounds um, physiologically along the lines of what we think would happen? Um, And just the fact that there's really not much solid data to go off of, I thought was kind of a unique aspect to all of this. And it kind of left it up to me to evaluate it on my own as well. So Again, thought it went super well. Everyone was very kind about it. And then any questions I had, of course, I had the jot- had them jotted down as well as who asked that question because it's important you get back to the proper person about it. And then things t- or tips that I like to get or I would suggest for this, uh, even for myself that I made sure to do was looking at the price of the medication. Oftentimes when you're doing a med review or talking about a drug in particular, the cost is pretty important. Make sure you're familiar with the information on Lexicomp. So Actemra has a black box warning for secondary infections. And so that was actually one of the questions I got was what specific infections uh, are they concerned with when using this medication? And so I looked them up and made sure to get back to that person. But yeah, you can't be prepared for everything, but there's some things you can do to make sure that you may be more well-informed than has you not looked it up prior. And so that was basically the end of my day. There really wasn't much else to do, but I was super stoked to have gotten that done. Um, it felt really good just to have it off my plate and it was a really cool topic and I'm glad that I had the chance to look into that, especially because it's super relevant and not much is known about it. And as far as not knowing much about it, I guess I never really talked about what I mentioned in my presentation. So the way that I started off was giving a background of what coronavirus 2019 is. So basically the fact that we have a virus, SARS-CoV-2, and that leads to the disease state that we know as COVID-19. I talked about what coronaviruses as a viral family look like. And so they have a positive sense RNA genome and their name actually comes from these crown-like spikes that are on their surface. And so the virus has two glycoproteins, spike one and spike two. And spike 1 interacts with angiotensin-converting enzyme 2, otherwise known as ACE2, if you've been following along with all things COVID, that appears on human host cell surfaces. And then that second spike is responsible for the virus cell membrane fusion, which allows the virus to enter and then upon entering, it's able to be translated and replicated, and once it uh, leaves the cell that it was able to do all those functions in, it actually doesn't lyse it, it ends up leaving it intact, and that contributes to the high virality of uh, the virus itself. And so as far as transmission goes, many of us, again, are familiar with it It can come from droplets from an infected person's cough, sneeze, or their breath. And so what happens actually is that the virus travels to our lower respiratory tract because that's where we have a lot more of those ACE2 receptors, especially on our type 2 pneumocytes. And so that's why other viruses like the common cold don't travel as far down because they don't have a site there. And so this is where we start to see this inflammation and trouble breathing, not only with those who have breathing conditions in the first place, but even healthy individuals can experience this. And so one of the biggest points as far as why we pick Actemra and why it's the focus of treatment in COVID-19, or at least one of the drugs in consideration, is that Upon the virus entering the body, it sets off our immune system, like I've mentioned, both innate and our adaptive immunity, as well as our inflammatory cascade. And in doing so, there's a lot of information in all of that, very nitty gritty. But the end point being, it leads to the production of a lot of these chemical messengers and cytokines, including interleukin-6. And so once our body is flooded with all of these different inflammatory mediators, um, immune mediators, all of these different things, we are now on our way towards the presentation of the disease state that often leads to acute respiratory distress syndrome and puts a lot of patients in critical condition. And so it's being able to address this so-called cytokine storm caused by this flooding of mediators. That ectemerate has become such a staple for. And so in blocking the receptor of interleukin-6, we hope to be able to decrease the effects of this um, really powerful host immune response. So that's basically like a really quick synopsis of what I talked about. There's a ton of data that is all pretty observational for now, not too many randomized controlled trials. Of course, it's only been about six months. I say only as if that hasn't been long enough, but it's within the time frame that we've been working with everything. Um, There isn't too, too much solid evidence uh, for or against it. So the current recommendation is that there's insufficient data for or against the use of it. So it's really institutional based. It depends um, what physicians want to do and things like that. So I thought I'd give a little bit of a preview since I never really talked about it. But yeah, imagine getting up there and talking about that for a while and also trying to captivate people. Um, So it was a lot of pointing at things, trying to make it as interactive as possible. So a great topic. Thankful I had the opportunity to look into that a little bit more and have a better understanding of it. And once I was done with that, I was done for the day and I was able to go home and wrap up my Tuesday. We are now at the middle of the week. It's day 28 of my rotations. It's Wednesday, August 5th, and I'm with the medication use and safety pharmacist. And when I say with him, I mean on the phone with him because we use Skype, which was actually pretty cool and it worked out really well. I was there from 0730 to 1630. And we spent most of the morning just talking about what his job looks like, kind of the things he's responsible for, what reports he's looking at, um, the importance of medication use and administration in an appropriate and safe manner. How he goes about evaluating all of these things and what protocols are implemented in order to address a lot of these situations to make sure that they don't happen again in the future. And one of the first things he had me look at were actually the vitamin K administration as well as reviewing the hypoglycemic events. And so the first thing that I was left to do on my own was to evaluate all of the uses of vitamin K. And so the question is, was it being given appropriately? Was it used in the case of uh, warfarin reversal when a patient needed it? Or was it being given when someone who wasn't on any anticoagulation shows up with incessant nosebleeds and they just gave vitamin K? So it really just depends they have their own protocol for when vitamin K should be administered, so I got to become really familiar with that, and then take a look at all of the charts for all of the patients that populated in this report to see what the true intention was behind the administration from there, he actually left me to do that work, and then I would call him back, and we would talk about what I found and so I would just go through as many patients as I could it's a pretty long list, of course, um since they do have a trauma center and an e d and whatnot so from there, I went to lunch. This took up most of the morning. This is We did a lot of talking and just evaluating each patient case, which I thought was really helpful. And then the second thing I looked at were the hypoglycemic events. And this boiled down more to the use of either dextrose or glutose. They're basically to provide the patient carbs and so that they don't have a hypoglycemic event. And so this was definitely a lot more intensive as far as figuring out how the patient ended up at the state that they're at. Are they diabetic already? Are they presenting with these symptoms during their admission? Were they given another drug like a steroid that caused them to spike up in their uh, blood sugars and then it was corrected with insulin and then they dipped down really far. So all of these different things had to be taken a look at. It was definitely more Um, nitty gritty and time intensive to look at all of these situations, but a really great opportunity to evaluate use. And so something also to consider was, was this used in this setting of hypoglycemia or in the case of hyperkalemia? So in a hyperkalemic event, you also use insulin and dextrose to cause an intercellular shift of potassium. I also just had to make sure that what it was actually for and go from there. But again, an opportunity for him and I to talk about each of the cases, evaluate the use. Could this have been prevented? And I thought that was a really useful conversation just because as a future pharmacist or in, even in healthcare in general, making sure to evaluate safety at all levels and at all points from verification to administration and whatnot is super useful. And the last thing I did during that day was actually look at a patient-specific case with vancomycin and AKI, so acute kidney injury, taking a look at what's going on. Is it due to the vanco? Is it due to something else? The patient's on a lot of other meds that are cleared renally. They also had contrast done. There's just a lot to take into consideration, so just taking a look and seeing, is this a use situation? Is this a patient specific situation? Is it a combination of all of the above? What's going on? Again, just sharpening those clinical tools. And that was basically the end of the day. We had a really great conversation. It was basically like that was the structure of it was leave me to do my work, him and I talk, and then do the next task and then go from there. So again, just any opportunity to learn as much as I can and to see trends in the way that things work in the inpatient setting. Because as much as you know the drugs and you learn the drugs in pharmacy school, it is such a different ballgame to apply that knowledge and understand the way that that works in the real world and in practice itself. After doing that, I actually had brought my Rx prep book with me to go and get it split. And I first took it to Office Depot because uh, I knew that they'd do it there. But the girl's like, it'll take a week. And I couldn't tell if she was like lying because she didn't want to do it because this book is huge. So like, I don't blame her. But in either case, I ended up going to FedEx. And they ended up uh, doing it, but they couldn't have it done that day. So I came back the next day, but it worked out. I was planning on doing it chapter by chapter. But if you've ever seen this thing, there's like a bajillion chapters and that's way too many cuts according to them. And I don't blame them. So I ended up splitting it into five sections, I want to say. And I just randomly just made sure it was at the beginning of whatever chapter that I made the cut. So yeah, basically went there and took care of that. And that wraps up my Wednesday. We are now at Thursday, and this was actually my day in the ICU, and I was very much looking forward to this. I really enjoy doing rounds and working at patients. So this is day 29 of my rotations. It's Thursday, August 6th. I was there from 0700 to 1730. And so the first thing that happens is we met up, and we actually work on the ICU floor itself in the ICU. So uh, this part of the pharmacy is decentralized into TNI and ICU, so they work with the nurses, with the physicians, they're right there to answer questions like immediately on hand. And the first thing we did was we went in and we looked at all the patients and we monitored their blood glucose first. So patients in the ICU and TNI are evaluated very closely for their uh, blood sugars. And so this is the first thing that we looked at was anybody who is running high, anybody who's running low and making adjustments because we were in before breakfast and as well as the first insulin administration so we want to make sure that if we're going to make changes we do it earlier uh, that way they're not given their food or the, an insulin and it's unnecessary or whatnot or they're not being covered enough from there we go ahead and we work up all the patients and so I believe there's about a seven or eight patient caseload that day there's two icus and there's a pharmacist in each of them so I was in ICU C this day and there were, yeah seven or eight patients and from there, you just go through and you work them up. And I've done it before, so I felt comfortable taking a stab at it initially. But once I finished my first two, since the pharmacist said, oh, just try two for now because it's not actually my IC rotation. Uh, once I was done, I actually asked if he could show me how he goes about doing his. So I was able to watch him and I think this is super valuable because this allowed me to make any adjustments to my own. And as I've mentioned before, I'll be on my IC rotation at the same site, literally for my next block. So I want to make sure that I'm understanding what the expectations are and making sure that I'm covering all my bases. From there, we basically just... Did that for, I want to say, three hours because rounds start at 10 a.m. And so the pharmacist goes with the physician. There's actually a pulmonologist who does the rounding on this floor. And there's actually a med student, so that was really cool. We had the opportunity to, like, chat a little bit, um, see how COVID has impacted our situations. And it was cool because I got to see him present his patients, and then I got to give my recommendations to both him and the attending himself. So that was really fun. We do rounding for about two hours, and it's actually during rounds, something that I've actually had the opportunity to do before is present basically on the spot about antibiotics. So this is the second time it's happened to me. My first time, I was at UCSF for my P2 longitudinal IPI, and I was trying to do a med rec for a patient, but they were rounding on the patient, and so I was kind of just standing there because I wasn't sure if they were planning on going in or if they already had, but I was standing there and I asked uh, I think the medical resident and he was like oh we haven't gone in yet like you should come your pharmacy right and I was like oh yeah I just need a med rec they're like oh yeah, yeah come in and so I go in and I end up rounding with them for that one patient and the actually the attending asked me an antibiotic question and I knew the question off the top of my head and then I forgot what the question was I wish I remembered and then from there she actually asked me to do like a small teaching session outside with the med student which was really fun. Uh, just talking about antibiotics for a little bit. And the same thing happened again on rounds on Thursdays. So I'm really glad I've been keeping up with my antibiotics. Like I said, I want to be quicker with it. But as far as like rote memorization of the coverage aspects of things, that's been going pretty well. So I thought that was really cool. Um, It was definitely on the spot, but it all worked out. And then from there, we finished our rounding. I finished giving any recommendations that I had. And then it was only on two patients though, that I had recommendations for because I only worked up those two. And then when we came back, we went ahead and we looked at TPN. So TPN is total parenteral nutrition. And so this is receiving nutrients through a vein. And the pharmacists are in charge of making sure that the orders go out and adjustments are made to electrolytes and the amino acids and dextrose and all of that. So I got to talk with the pharmacist about how that works and see the way that they balance electrolytes, seeing that if a patient is needed to be repleted on a lot of these different things throughout the day that it should be increased looking at the protocol for that to see how they make those adjustments what they how they determine what is an appropriate adjustment to make because you don't want to overshoot it but you also don't want to undershoot it so again a really great opportunity to learn what that's like because we don't cover it too too much in pharmacy school I think it was in total maybe six hours worth of TPN like three hours of lecture two hours of skills and then like one hour preparing for skills. And so the fact that pharmacists are literally in charge of TPN, I was really grateful to be able to practice that. From there, we went to lunch. And then when we came back, we ended up charting all the patients. So we looked up everything that we needed to as far as um, any changes that we made earlier. Uh, Again, checking blood glucose after lunch because that's another time to check. And then when we finished charting all of those, We actually did vanco dosing, so I got to vanco dose and then run through my recommendations with the pharmacist. They were all accepted. The funny thing is, in pharmacy school, I used to like not be the biggest fan of vanco dosing. I was like, this just seems like a lot for some reason to me. And now that I'm doing it, I absolutely love it. I don't know if it's because it's like more of an art than a science, but like there's still a science aspect to it. But I love it. It's like one of my favorite things to do. So got the opportunity to do that. And then, oh, before the end of the day or anything like that, I actually got to go see the other Happy student who's on rotations, who's actually on his ICU rotation, do his patient presentation. So that was really cool, seeing what I have to look forward to. And he did such a good job, of course. Uh, so it was really cool to learn about a new disease state as well. It was peripheral artery disease. So I thought that was really interesting, something I'm not super familiar with, but apparently, it presented in the ICU. And I guess it's something I could potentially see in the future. So after that, we went back upstairs. He started charting up all of the patients, putting in any changes, of course, uh, finishing that up for the day. And then while he was doing that, he was just answering a bunch of questions. And I was looking up a lot of stuff that he had me look up. It was just a really great opportunity to understand ICU a little bit better. And something I forgot to mention was earlier this week, I actually emailed my preceptor for ICU and she sent back a lot of guidelines for me to take a look at regarding septic shock, uh, hypoglycemia management, um, nutrition as well, which is really great, awesome foundation for ICU. But I figured while he and I were working together, I would ask if there was anything he thought might be important or that I could do to help prepare myself even better for ICU. And I'm glad I did because he gave me a lot of good things to um, look up as well. And so I started looking up some of them while we were working together. And then it'll definitely be something I look into now that I have a week off. But I just, if you're ever looking for more information or if you're ever trying to get a better grasp of what's going on, try to get perspectives from other people. And so I thought, you know what? It can't hurt to find out what he thinks is important as well, because we'll actually be working together at some point also, because my preceptor can't work every single day. We then we're done for the day headed home but I actually headed to the FedEx store to go pick up my books and they look so good they're all spiral bound they have nice little cute covers on them I think it was like 29 bucks for all five of them they have a front and a back cover they look really great. I'm really excited to get into them, take a look at everything. And I was talking to a couple of people um, who DM me and they're like, it's a really great resource. And honestly, I can tell that it would be a lot more interesting to learn it this way than to keep reading guidelines. So I'll eventually start to take a look at those. But afterwards, I actually headed to Target and got my preceptor a gift, just a little thank you, because she honestly went above and beyond. And I think it's just a really nice gesture to show that you care also that Like you're thankful for everything that they did for you because they don't get paid to do this. And my preceptor really went above and beyond for me. And I just wanted to show her that I really appreciated it. So I picked that stuff up, came home, wrote her a card, put it all together in a cute little bag. And that took me to the end of Thursday. We are now at the end of the week. It's Friday, day 30, the very last day of my rotations for hospital operations. It's August 7th, and I actually started the morning by heading to Krispy Kreme. I picked up glazed donuts, and they were still warm, like they had the sign on, the light was on, so I knew it was going to be A1, and it was perfect. Brought those in, left them in the break room, and by the time the day was over, they were all gone. So. I hope everyone enjoyed them because I really wasn't inside the main pharmacy today either because I was on the TNI shift, so the trauma neuro intensive care unit with the pharmacist from 0700 to 1330. And this is a really interesting unit because in the mornings it's really busy and there's a lot of people around because the trauma surgeons are in there, uh, the nurses are all doing their uh shift transition and then we show up and so there's a lot of activity happening it's a really pop in place honestly but then it definitely dies down a lot more and so basically what we did again was look at all the blood sugars for all the patients and so that's the first thing we want to address before breakfast and before morning insulin is given and then from there we work up all of the patients and so a lot of interesting cases because Um, I don't want to say for the most part, but a lot of times patients come into trauma neuro and they're there for the traumatic event that they sustain. So whether it be like a motor vehicle accident, um, a fall off of a horse or a bike accident or things like that. And so they tend to be fairly healthy despite the trauma that they've sustained. And so it's really interesting because a lot of times their home meds will be little to none. And so I just thought that that was something interesting as a part of this demographic compared to ICU where uh, people tend to have a lot of comorbidities and whatnot. So that was just something I noticed. But of course, the management of trauma patients is also quite different. And the way that the surgeons deal with things, they also have a lot of involvement with the patients. They're very hands-on throughout their care. And as they should be, they do incredible work. And I think they just want to see it through all the way. But after working up all of the patients, the actually same pulmonologist from the day prior in the ICU was actually attending for the T&I unit. And so we rounded again. Which was great, great guy, very interesting. Uh, It was a really awesome opportunity because he has a student with him himself, the same med student. So we got to say hello again. But he really likes to incorporate learning into the situation. So he'll probe further about things, ask why, what makes you say that, what are things we're looking out for. So I thought that was a really valuable learning experience. And then after doing that, that takes us to about like noon, twelve thirty. There wasn't anything like above and beyond anything like too, too wild. It was just basically getting my bearings with what to expect in TNI, what are things that you tend to see. So a lot of times like subdural hematomas also happen. So elderly patients who fall, it's a common thing that occurs. And something really cool I learned that is when people get their spleen removed, they actually need three immunizations. So they need the PPSV23, the Pneumavax23, they need a Hib vaccination, as well as the meningococcal vaccine, which is something I had no idea about previously. So I thought that was really cool that we learned about or that she taught me. And then after that, once rounds were done, we headed to lunch and she actually wanted to let me go early and she was like if you have nothing else to do i'm literally charting for the rest of the day and we already went over all these recommendations i just have to write them down and so before heading out i made sure that my i gave my gift to my preceptor so i went and i found her i had actually left it on the desk she normally sits at, but she was in a different place today and so one of the pharmacists was like i think there's something on your desk and like texted already and my preceptor thought it was going to be a puppy and i was like had i known i would have brought a puppy but once I found her I gave her a gift and she loved it and we had a good little heart to heart moment and I truly couldn't think of a better first preceptor for my appy experience I mean I've said it multiple times because it's true she went above and beyond for me and I always felt supported in whatever career path I expressed um, interest in and she really went to great lengths to make sure that I got the opportunity to explore that more and so yeah it was just an awesome opportunity like I said I'll see her again soon but Once we exchanged that, I actually forgot to mention, uh, we have our final evaluations this week and I did that Thursday. That's what happened. And so it was nice to hear um, what she thought of me by the end of it and all of the feedback she received from everyone else because you hope you're doing a good job and you think you're doing a good job, right? No one's ever going out there to do a bad job, but it's a totally different experience when you hear people recognize things um, that you didn't think was that noticeable or that anyone paid any attention to so it was a really great way to wrap things up this is also the time to check in about letters of recommendation which I'd completely forgotten about until she actually mentioned it to me again and so that worked out really well and I mentioned to her that the pharmacist was like you she's basically just writing notes the rest of the day and like didn't think it'd be useful and she's like honestly you deserve it like go take the rest of Friday off like have a great rest of your day and a week off too and I just thought it was really nice and I felt like especially in those last two days I had learned so so much and I'm really excited to go back to be honest because this is a really great institution and I've been learning a lot and I'm so I'm looking forward to it'll be it'll be a lot more for sure when it comes to direct patient care but I think I'm up for the challenge so that basically sums up my Friday and here we are at the weekend I have Oh, actually, it's not the weekend. I'm recording this on Monday, the day that this comes out, because I spent the weekend decompressing. I slept a lot. I caught up on a lot of TV, for sure. Selling Sunset Season 3 came out, which, so good. Love that show. Uh, But no, just took some time for myself before I get started on this week. I have a lot planned. I want to start taking a look at RX prep, start looking at those quick guides, like I mentioned, get better with my brand generics. I have to update my CV. So at the end of every rotation, it was a goal I set for myself to make sure that I update my CV so that I don't have to do it at the very end. I've started looking at my materials for my ICU rotation, so making sure that I'm familiar with those guidelines, that I'm taking notes of things that are important, Um, and then also taking a look at the protocols that my preceptor from my previous rotation shared with me to see if I can keep myself up to date with any of those. The preceptor I worked with or the pharmacist I worked with on Thursday in the ICU actually printed me out a couple of things having to do with insulin and TPN, so making sure I'm familiar with that as well. And yeah, basically just trying to decompress while at the same time every day, trying to do a little bit more to strengthen my clinical knowledge, make sure I'm staying up to with things, but not being too high key about anything. So that's basically what my week looks like. I had an amazing time. I really don't know what else to say about it. I know I probably sound like a broken record at this point and you'll probably like, oh yeah, opportunities, amazing, fun, fantastic. But truly this last block taught me that I'm a lot more capable than I thought I was I think I mentioned it maybe during that first week that once you finish pharmacy school you're never sure if you know enough or whether or not you'll be able to keep up with everything happening and I just have to say that no matter how you feel about your rotations going into it you will land on your feet I think if you put in the time and the effort if you put into this what you want to get out of it you will succeed and so I think it's also about having a positive attitude about things I think oftentimes especially amidst a pandemic things might not always work out the way that you thought they would but it's about being flexible and adaptable and just open to change because I think it's the days where things don't go the way you ever thought they would that turn out to be not only the most valuable learning experiences but have the greatest impact on yourself and who you are as a person and your clinical development and growth as like a future healthcare provider so yeah if that wasn't (laughs) a summary enough in itself about how I feel I don't know what will be but Again, thank you all so, so much for tuning in for these past six weeks. It's been honestly a great ride sharing it with all of you. And I'm not going anywhere, but I'm excited to share with you all what happens with ICU. It definitely looks like it's going to be a lot more intense. So as much as I probably should be scared, I'm just really looking forward to the opportunity to like learn a lot. You realize that there's so much you learn in the classroom, but there's so much you also don't learn. So it's been every single day, a learning experience and just taking in as much information as possible, basically being SpongeBob and soaking it all up and then not letting it go anywhere because you need to know it all. So again, thank you all so much. Hope you're all staying safe, healthy. I won't have an episode for next week because I have this week off and I kind of just shared what my plan is for the week and I don't think it'd be anything longer to share. So again thank you all for your kind words and support it always means the world to me uh, when any of you reach out or when i see there's more followers on spotify and ratings on apple podcasts so truly it means the world and i hope again that this is serving some sort of purpose in some way shape or form because i don't know i'm having a good time with it so thanks y'all and i'll talk to y'all soon bye